Broadcasting worldwide from an undisclosed location high up on the Rocky Mountains, here are your hosts, Chris and Cherie Gio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Our number two right here on the Chris Gio Show. We've got a lot to get into in the second and third hour of the broadcast. We've got a whole list of stuff here. We've got Alan Watts rejoining us. Um, he's been on the show before. This man really needs no introduction on this show. We've talked about his work quite a bit, and he's uh, very well known. So before I butcher his intro, let me just go ahead and bring him on. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah. It's great to have you. Um, for the people that aren't familiar, real quick, give us a quick break, uh, background and also the websites, please. Yeah, I've been uh, really into... Uh, the music field in a big way many years ago, but I was also into uh, philosophy and books and so on. And over the last quite a few years now, I've been writing different books on the way things are, where they're going and so on, and following the big picture as to where the world is planned to go, because it doesn't simply evolve along a path that's always directed uh, by every power structure that happens to be in, in vogue at the time. And so I, I keep tabs on why things happen as opposed to how things are presented to the public, which is far more important, because never in history really has a government ever been honest to the, towards the public, and more so today under the scientific form of of uh, direction that controls all of our lives, basically. The media is a big part of it, and I explain in the media why stories uh, are put out by the media and what's really the causes behind them as opposed to the ones we're, we're given, uh, to show people that they're basically very big powers, private interests, are running the world and have for an awful long time. And um, I go into the effects of entertainment, how that's a big part of control as well and preparing us for changes, in fact, so that we accept them when they happen, thinking it's a, a natural progression when, when everything's actually planned a long time, sometimes a lifetime before you come along. Things are planned uh, and meticulously, step by step, as to how they're to be introduced. So I've, uh, I've been an all-rounder in many, many, many aspects in all of this uh, present structural system, you might say. Fantastic. The website, of course, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And I, you've got a couple of DVDs on there. What's the most recent one uh, for people to be able to go and check out? Um, there's there's a, a couple I've done actually a while back, but um, there's also a bunch I've done with Alex Jones up there somewhere. And, um, uh, and there's more to come this summer as well, if we get a summer, that is. And, and hopefully that will be out pretty shortly as well. So keep your eyes on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com uh, for up-and-coming shows and DVDs and so on, and books as well. Yeah. Ah, can you give us a little sneak peek about what that's going to be about? It's a, I'm trying to condense so much into uh, singular books. Uh, I don't really see an area as specialized in one particular field because so many specialized fields take in many other <laughs> fields. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting together a history of, of the, the forms of control of humankind uh, to involve psychology, uh, psychodynamics, behaviorism, and how experts understood this an awful long time ago. And I, I bring out the experts that help to design the present structural cultural system as we go through the changes towards a global society, which the big boys uh, have planned to bring into a, a, a government for the planet, basically, a standardized single culture eventually down the road. But not just a culture, 
all the plans to do with uh, reducing population according to the needs of, of those in rule, because that's really what we live for. That's our reason for being, is to, uh, is to really to keep um, things going for, for, for those in structural power and to show you how they want to reduce population, why they want to reduce population. It isn't just resources, that's one thing, but for themselves, that is, and, and their own offspring down in the future, but also the, the changes they plan uh, in specializing human beings down the road uh, to, to be specialized workers. And this is a very old, old idea, specializing humans. To, to, to Even Plato talked about, of course. So I try to encompass all of that. The transhumanist yeah. agenda, of course. I definitely want to get into that. You know, I, I noticed the DVDs are a couple of hours. The Our show is three hours long. What I'm realizing, though, is people's attention span has been so dumbed down that if you want to yep. give them a, a piece of information, you've got to do it in three or four minutes. That's it, three or four minutes, and move on to the next thing. Uh, are you finding that to be true as well? And if so, more, more so, More so than ever, yeah. And, and the problem is, of course, is I've often said we're taught now to think in bits and bytes. And that's all they get is bits and bytes of, of topics. It, I've had people who, who offered me $40,000 to sum, sum things up for them. Bus, high businessmen in, in about a minute or two, no more, which is impossible because you can't give a true picture of something in one or two minutes. So people today want snappy answers. Dry, I call them drive-through answers. Say like driving through for a coffee and, and uh, you put in your order and you, you collect it at the other side. That's what they want. They're too lazy to, and, and they can't hold their attention uh, on a particular topic, follow the thread as you go through the patterns of logic to retain uh, the story in their, their mind. They can't do that. And this is, this is well understood when they're brought on television, by the way, that this would have that effect on, on the people. And they were doing studies on car- people, children watching cartoons as soon as television came in to see how their attention span was getting lowered and lowered and, and so on until we have the present day where they can't read a book all right the way through. They, they, they can simply lose interest. They can't retain it. That's happened. Yeah. Even the cartoons nowadays, though, Alan, some of them are like five-minute segments, and that's it. They're five minutes of cartoons, and then move on to the next one, move on to the next one. Yeah. So you even see them programming the children even in their own program. It's called programming oh, absolutely. for absolutely. Uh, people don't realize that all through the culture industry, uh, in every country, by the way, that belongs to the United Nations, is a signature to the United Nations, signed in a long time ago to, to create a department of culture. Canada's got it, the U.S. has got it, every country's got it. And they put enormous grants every year towards the, the movie industry, the cartoon industry, the novelist industry, to make sure that they put the, the current updates for political correctness, for, for the, the new kind of society they want that child to grow up in. And it does start with the cartoons. They get paid big money, even writing a, a children's book to put these kind of things in there. Uh, the, the public are ignorant of it. They're not, it's not stressed to them. Be careful what you give your children to read, even or read to them, because this is the intention behind it. Uh, everything is PC or political correct, uh, and uh, it's weaponized, you might say. And it's very effective, tremendously effective. And then once they get away from the, 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 the children's stories, they get into the cartoons, the segments themselves, as you watch a cartoon, if you, if you turn your head away, you'll miss an important part. It's only two or three seconds long. And that's to make sure that they can't, uh, uh, that they, they don't want long uh, sequences. Even the old movies, if you look at the old black and white movies, some sequences in a room, for instance, with two people can last five minutes as they have a dialogue. You don't get that today. They, they can't have that. Their intentions, they lose interest. They won't, they won't hear what's being said. 
And so they've got to have constant movement and different scenery, etc. All this is well understood because so much of our tax money goes into studying us. And they're constantly studying uh, in behaviorism how we react to all of this. And and it's a perfect science. So when we see 47,000 children being brought over the border and the media is acting like they're all surprised and, and, oh, this is such a humanitarian disaster, we've got to help these poor children, this is all planned then? Yeah, if you look at the, and, and people again don't, people surmise so much in the society, people you meet in the streets, uh, neighbors and so they surmise that they've got a, strong opinions and everything, but they know nothing, unfortunately, about anything in depth. Uh, they don't read into anything, and um, they won't check anything up and go through the laborious tasks of checking things out. But uh, if you read the books put out by big players at the United Nations, uh, and before that, of course, even in your own country, you can go into the memoirs of politicians that are always churning out these ghost-written memoirs. Uh, you, you, you can get so much from them if you can keep awake and, and read all the boring stuff and find the gem of the one paragraph that tells you so much. Jacques uh, Attali, who was one of the top advisors for many years, different presidents in France at the United Nations now, he turned out a few books and one of them was called Millennium, and he put it out in 1999, I think. He talked about the future of the U.S., and then his second book came out a few years later, which reiterated this, and, and he, he said that... Um, I hate to do this, Alan. We're hitting the break. Hold right there. We'll be yeah. right back, ladies and gentlemen. Much more with Alan Watt right here on The Chris Geo Show. You know, Alan, Sheree and I used to listen to you on Alex Jones' show 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And back then, we were you know, newly awake. We were excited about uh, absorbing all of this information. But still, there was a little bit of skepticism in the back of my mind. Here we are 10 years later. We're on GCN. We're talking to you about these exact same things. The difference is that the amount of things that have come true that both you and Alex and other people have been talking about for the last 10 years is astonishing, it's chilling, and it's extremely frightening. The police state, the spy grids, the the pharmaceutical uh, companies, everybody's doped up, the mind control in movies, on television, the world is truly changed. Mm -hmm. And anybody who was a skeptic back then has to be a firm believer now because even the mainstream media has to admit that all of this is taking place. What do you think is the most significant change that has taken place over the last year, and what do you think the next move is? There's many changes uh, already uh, taking place and more to come. The things that were done last year, like the, the, the U.S., Canada, and many other countries signing into law from the, the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland, uh, the, the, the coming bail-ins uh, for their banks, the, the, the copying uh, the Cyprus model, where they can grab your savings and deposits. Uh, they've signed that, and that takes effect into law in January the 1st, 2015, things like this. So they're preparing for a, a complete change again in the economy and the banking system and your monetary system. And out of it will come their solutions. The solutions actually are their targets. Uh, and uh, they'll present it as solutions so it won't happen again by amalgamating different currencies, etc., etc., which goes along with the big agenda towards a global system. Uh, NAFTA, uh, of course, people forget about NAFTA. It's still under, under, uh, on, on the go. The free trade agreement in NAFTA, 
and now they're going into the they've, they've widened it actually the same agreement they've widened it to, to incorporate the, the Caribbean islands and Pacific islands and so on. This is to be one big trading block, and and eventually, uh, according to the the, the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, same organisation. Uh, they will eventually bring in the three big trading blocks under one super government. That's the agenda. To get there, you have to cause what appears to be crisis to the public, so they'll give up uh, sovereignty and, and things like that and go along with it. And that's what Jack Satali, that I mentioned before the break, talked about in his books. He talked about uh, the amalgamation of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, and other Latin American countries still to come in to have one complete uh, continent of trade under one government. He said eventually uh, most of, of, of the southern U.S. And, and going up to the middle of the U.S. will be Spanish-speaking. That's the agenda. That was planned a long time ago, uh, and, uh, and many organizations at the United Nations work with it, along with the Council on Foreign Relations. So we're, we're run pri- privately, understand. Uh, your governments um, obey uh, the big think tanks and foundations that are paid for and owned by the big international corporations, they own your governments, and they have all along, by the way. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, the Amero is something that people were talking about 10 years ago. Now, now that I said 10 years ago, I'm thinking in hindsight of all the things we, we, we listened to and we, we researched. The, America, the Amero was something that was really coming in. Even Fox News was talking about it. There was uh, one e- economist, uh, e- oh, economist uh, who was saying, that, oh, watch out for the Amero because that's going to hit pretty soon, and that's going to be a big moneymaker there. What happened to the Amero agenda? Well, I'm sure they'll recycle it again. What they give you initially, most big changes, is what they call trial balloons. A trial balloon is put out there, to, and then they've got the pulse in the public with the internet and their chats and all the rest of it. They immediately know uh, through their supercomputers uh, how many folk would accept this, how many were against it, and so on. But it gets you acclimatized to the inevitability of this down the road. That's, that's what uh, predictive programming means. That's how it works. And the more you hear something, the more you think it's inevitable. And so when it happens, you think, well, it had to happen. Uh, like it's a natural process. But in actual fact, it was planned that way, even to, to the way that you eventually conclude it and accept it. It's all planned and implemented through, through behavioristic psychology and neuroscience. Yeah. Well, I, oh, go, and go ahead. Uh, this Bitcoin thing, I think that the, that Bitcoin is kind of one of those trial balloons because – the first thing I thought whenever I heard about Bitcoin was, oh, my God, cashless society. Here it is. Me, too. I mean, we've heard Alan and Alex talking about it for 10 years now. Digital currency, digital currency, and here it is. And what's scary is the Patriot community is hailing it as the salva- as the savior uh, of the monetary system. It's going to be hijacked uh, immediately. Those are my views anyways. What do you think about Bitcoin? It, it will be. I mean, the thing is, uh, we're already most folk are already cashless, unfortunately. Uh, they go up because of convenience, as, as, as they think. Uh, they've all been trained not to even look at their bills that come in anymore. It's automatically deducted from their accounts. Uh, and so they, they leave, they, they leave uh, the management of their own money to, to corporations and, and all the rest of it for all their bills. Uh, most of it really, honestly, don't even check out the, 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 the bill at the cash register. And even with television programs for many years showing you that two out of every three transactions is, is overcharged, they still never check. Um, there's a, a lazy component. We're easily trained to be lazy, you know, uh, and automatic. Anything that's automatic is, is grabbed by the general public who, who always want, they're all in, always in a hurry, especially these days. So the idea of training you into the cashless system has been tr- well tested out. I think it was Oshawa and Canada 
had that program on the go for uh, about five or eight years. They introduced a cashless system for a big, massive city, and they followed it uh, to find all its weaknesses and its strong points, its resistance amongst the public, and how to overcome that resistance. And eventually that has to come uh, worldwide, uh, the cashless society, because money has always been a scam, a con game. And it will continue to be a con game. And it's even better when it's electronic because there's nothing backing anything up at all. Uh, you can create money out of thin air. They always have done. And now it's just blips on a screen. So um, the big boys certainly want this. this. Money is used for control as well of the general public, remember. People forget that. It's how they control your standard of living, which also decides your way of living, uh, what you can afford to, to look at, read or whatever. Um, all that comes un- under money and social control. Money is also an impediment to having families. That's a big one. Uh, the boys in the 1930s uh, talked about this. It's the League of Nations, the precursor of the UN. They could stop people having so many children by making it economically unfeasible and uh, undesirable. And money is used to, to restrict many, much of your... Th- and now it's coming down to your movements. With the price, put the price of gasoline up intentionally. That will restrict uh, the amount of miles you travel, where you go. Uh, and that also goes along with the Millennium Project, which every country has signed on to, which is Agenda 21, the same agenda. So money's a big factor in control. The public don't see it that way. They think it's, um, it's a way out of the mess that they're in, or it gives them security, uh, mental security, psychological security, as well as physical security. But in reality, money is a control mechanism. And it doesn't really benefit you in the long run, no matter how much you have in the bank. Because as I say, when they bring in the bail-ins, uh, they can take it all from you anyway. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. I, we really don't own any property in this day and age. Even with property tax, you can buy a house, you can have it totally paid off. It's yours. Eventually, it's going to go back into the box. It's going to go back into yeah. the monopoly box because you know, the property taxes, they're going to foreclose on it at one point in time or another. It's a really, really... Um, prison planet that we live in that's that's all i can describe it at a prison planet we can free our minds though once we free our minds and we're able to see the bars then we're able to break the bars but until we can see the bars then we're hopelessly enslaved and those who are hopelessly enslaved are those who believe they're free we'll be right back Instant gratification, that seems to be something people are always expecting. And a world of pleasure. And that's that's how they're going to sell the brain chip, in my opinion. They're going to say, here, you put this chip in you and it'll give you all the pleasures in the world. Just mm-hmm. make sure to go to work for your 12 hours. Then afterwards, we'll turn on your chip in your brain to give you the pleasure. Shereen, do you want to take us away? Right, exactly. I, he, he, you talk a lot about... In your, in your works about self-pleasing behavior modification. And that's basically when, let's say a guy, just a regular guy, he's 35 years old, all he does all day is work. He goes to work, he comes home, he watches TV, he watches porn, does what he needs to do, and then goes to bed. He thinks that he's happy. He thinks that he's doing what he wants to do. When in reality, he's doing what the controllers want him to do. He's doing what the elite want him to do, which is not build a family, not build any life for yourself, stay in your home, watch your TV, watch porn, let your brain shrink because you're watching so much porn, and and just live that, that life that's so unfulfilling on the surface, but they really feel fulfilled by this. How are they doing this, Alan? 
Back again in the 1930s, when a lot of this, uh, the top scientists of the day uh, got together at, at the League of Nations and then into the United Nations for what they called a world of peace. It meant a world of control, basically, uh, and, and predictability. Uh, for for a, a totalitarian type system of peace, you have to have total predictability uh, and everyone must be predictable. That's what we have to do with the internet and the monitoring of everyone. Uh, they have everyone categorized personality styles and so on, habits, traits, uh, hobbies, you name it. Uh, and they know uh, they put you into, you're into a category of predictability. In fact, down the road, they'll come towards you. To your home, you get a visit. If you break your patterns, they want to know why. So um, you're quite right. Uh, the behaviors back in the 1930s, uh, came out with so many good books on, on how we work as individuals and uh, as a society. They did know that even back then, most work people were into, still into, into industry, it was pretty meaningless to the people. Uh, they were doing heavy work in, in industry, industrial jobs, factories, and so on. Uh, they put it, instead of going to prison every day, you put your time in, basically. And so they made sure, by, and this is what they're doing in China at the moment, because it's going through this industrial phase. They make sure there's lots of uh, cheap booze uh, and places to, to get the watering holes for the people, the public, and um, lots of entertainment and so on. And they knew that in a post-industrial age, which would bring us into when they gave all industry to China, uh, then they'd have to give us excessive uh, toys and gadgetry and ways to, to pass our, our free time, etc. Because our jobs would be even more meaningless as we go into jobs into service economy, which is stacking shelves or working in office offices, passing paper around, meaningless tasks, basically, no fulfillment. Uh, boring, and so you get lots of entertainment for escapism. But they said too that we're by nature egocentric and, and egocentric, uh, and they would create such a society. They would make it excessively so. Uh, therefore, we'd, we'd avoid pain, and, and pain by pain, also like hard work or working towards something, avoid something like that, and you would seek pleasure. So they would destroy what really is sur- your, your survival mechanism, piece by piece and train the public to always seek pleasure. And as long as you can get through your boring Monday to Friday, you could party at the weekends uh, or, or go in the chat rooms and so on and do what you want or watch your porn. And, and so they've, uh, they understand this works awfully well. We're pretty passive and people are pacified. They will put up with a lot of boring, boring routine for little money as long as entertainment is very cheap and they can go into absolute escapism in their free time. And that's, ha- that's here, of course, yeah. Well, this virtual world also makes people feel like they're doing something because it's it's in our natural human spirit to want to make a change. And mm-hmm. so they pass around these petitions and these memes and things like that, and they, they do the likes on Facebook. There's one picture that I have posted on my Facebook that says this is how your likes help fight hunger, hunger and disease. And it's, it's two people holding like a box of likes, you know, the Facebook likes with a thumbs up. It's completely meaningless, but people still feel like they're actually getting out there and doing something. That's another trap we have to look at. Well, I mean, the whole the whole system, to be honest with you, is, is called the web for a reason. You get stuck on it. And the net, you, you get caught in the net. They, they, whenever they put, give you a name like that, they, there's always a very good meaning behind it, which you should be, always be careful of. But um, this was designed a long time before the public ever heard of the Internet. Uh, to, and it was, it was also, they were going to give it to the public down the road. Brzezinski talked about in the 1970s in his book Between Two Ages 
where he mentioned that a form of communication would revolutionize the world and the way people are thinking and shortly be given to the general public. But he also mentioned it would be a form of control because information uh, doesn't just liberate you, can also control you depending on who, who's putting it out, the clever way it's put out. And even when you think you're, you're opposing something, you could, be, you could be, be getting used by very specialized agencies that are actually working for the same side. So um, it's a trap in a sense. Uh, there's nothing out there you can take at face value. Uh, you've got to question everything and everybody and the reasons why they do things and, and what's really behind it. So it's a minefield, to be honest with you. Uh, people are stuck in a virtual reality. They're being guided towards a more perfected, uh, with high definitions on virtual reality. And you're quite correct. It, it won't take violence or threats to force folk into brain chips, if they even need brain chips, to be honest with you. Um, uh, people go along willingly because it's like a drug. They found out with the drug scenes during the 60s when the CIA were dishing it out by the sackfuls across university campuses. Um, they found out that people uh, uh, would definitely go on drugs and get this great high, this escape, and that the more highs they got, the more they wanted. It's the same with the internet and vir- the virtual world, the virtual reality. They want to be in the movie, and, and down the road they've said you'll be able to actually be in that movie. You'll feel the sensations and so on. That's where they're going with the general public. Um, we'll be more like seven of nine in Star Trek series. We'll get plugged in at night, basically, and work during the day. But as long as we get our fantasies at night, we'll be quite happy. That's what the that's a great control mechanism for the future society. I don't I don't mean to jump back to um, economics, but this is something that I was thinking about earlier. And it, it plays into the control as well. Uh, you were talking about the money. And, uh, of course, they want to keep people on that edge to where they're worried about paying their bills, but they don't want them completely broke because when people are completely broke, then they revolt because they have nothing better to do than to get mad at the system that has created that situation for them. So do you think that it's likely that they will blow out the dollar? A lot of people have talked about this huge economic crash to where we're going back to a depression-type type state, but that that goes completely contrary to this whole pleasure kind of society that they're trying to build to keep the slaves continuing to um, operate the machine. Mm-hmm. Well, you've you got to understand, too, that there's, there's nothing new in this system, uh, and even understanding on, on behalf of controllers of the system itself. They know way more than we do, and they have all the stats there and previous tests on the general populations and whole nations, in fact, from the past. Britain, through the early 20th century, right through to the 1970s, had a pretty well fixed income, wage and earnings and so on, system and prices. They knew exactly through all their statistics, etc. And never, yeah, people don't want to read statistics, but you've got to go see what the government gets in. And, um, and the big think tanks that really do the planning and so on. Um, in Britain, you would open any newspaper in the country, look at particular trades or, or professions, and it was almost the same starting pay in every one of them across the whole country. Now, if you had free enterprise, obviously you'd have a, a variation, but that's what wasn't the case. It was an agreed-upon system, and the same with the wages. So they knew how much the average family of four brought in every week and how much they spent every week. And they kept you just affording your rent, and most folk had rents in those days, and a little bit of leisure, uh, a little bit of booze at the weekend, uh, and no more to make them budget, etc., and they knew how, how much they would get away, get by with without even saving money because they'd have nothing left to save. So they understand they can bring the same into the U.S. system by controlling the prices, uh, inflation, 
uh, taxation and so on. But remember, they want to bring the standard of living down uh, across the world and, and to, for the Millennium Project. And they've said that um, they're going to bring in an age of austerity. Well, how would you bring in austerity? What does austerity really mean? It's a form of lower living standards and more pretty well akin to poverty in some cases. And so you simply increase the prices, increase inflation, and devalue the dollar, which is going down all the time. And now if you go into a grocery store, you just hand over dollar bills if you pay in cash. Uh, at one, not so long ago, $100 would buy a whole pile of groceries, not now. So they're, they're constantly devaluing your currency and bringing you into it so you have no money to spend on other things. You're being trained into austerity where you, where you know it or not. Well, not only that, but to, to eat good food. And I'm not talking about plastic processed garbage. Good food. It, it is ridiculous. I mean, we, we got some grass-fed ground beef, and it was what? Like twelve ninety nine a pound? $13 a Ridiculous. Pound. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we do have many, many serious problems going on in the entire world. We've got, like I mentioned in the last segment, the high price of food. We've got the high price of good food. You can go get a hamburger for 99 cents that's made out of plastic. And uh, what was it that they're putting in the in the food now as, as a filler? Uh, worms. Worms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're using worm meat. When you go to McDonald's and you get a burger, you're getting worm meat for 99 cents. So if you want to eat worms, you know, go right ahead. But to get good food, it's it costs a lot more. Wages are not going up, and the price of everything is going up because the value is being uh, the dollar is being devalued. Not to mention, they're trying to force health care upon everybody, at least here in the United States, and everybody's paying three, four, five, six hundred dollars more in health care, or their health care is being completely dropped, as opposed to last year. So not only are the prices of the food, for instance, twenty six percent higher, or whatever number it is, mm-hmm. close to that that I read the other day, twenty six percent. I mean, that's that's no that's no joke. Alan was spot on. We went to the grocery store the other day, seventy five bucks. We walked out with three bags. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It really is. Alan, let me ask you this. Is there anywhere in the world that's not being affected by this global system of control? Not really, no. Uh, it's, it is global. And what's happened, too, uh, is the breaking of the old traditional, in fact, the old mandates of what a nation was. Uh, a government had at one time, all countries did the same thing, that to ensure certain things were kept at a certain price, basic essentials within their own nations. Uh, now your food market is international. Uh, they've taken all restrictions off, and so your food goes up on the international market, the global market for futures trading and so on. And uh, and so you're, so the, some often the best meats that go abroad and they sell to the highest bidder. And uh, and of course, since you live in a, a higher standard, basically your 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 dollar's worth uh, really less in some ways in other countries. 
um, uh, it's costing you more at home to buy the same kind of thing when they get it uh, sold more expensively abroad. Uh, plus, with the free trade ag- agreement, there's a lot of con games go on because you're subsidizing the meat exports to certain countries from your own nation outwards to, to those countries, uh, and, and yet you're paying so, such high prices at home for the same thing. So uh, the big corporations are on a win-win thing. They're, they're involved in the writing up, the drafting up of the free trade agreements, uh, and the big international corporations are, are, are actually the ones that do it. The CFR draft up pretty well all the free trade agreements for the world, and the CFR is a private organization, as we all know. We don't vote them in, and yet they, they have the biggest say on the, in the world as to the future and, and how things are in every possible respect. So um, we're run by private interests. In reality, we're governments, the governments are puppets to those interests. Those oh, interests. You're absolutely right. Was it, I think it was under Mao's control, um, where the people were exporting all of their produce and everything that they were growing, and they were starving themselves. I mean, we see these kids working in these sweatshops making Nike shoes, and they don't have any shoes on their feet. Mm-hmm. Is this really the world that we've created, ladies and gentlemen? It's been here for a long time. Uh, Franklin talked about shoe factories in England that he saw uh, when he was over there. And he said all of the workers came out barefooted, and that was in his day. This is a standard technique down through the ages with different countries as we go through the same kind of thing. And uh, you'll find some of the very similar conditions in in, uh, China today with the workers getting locked in factories, etc., and doing 12-hour shifts or more. Uh, This is a format which has been used many times before, and, and now it's China's turn to do it. Uh, the big international corporations and your tax money created modern China because we were training their engineers in Canada and, and across the world uh, years before they actually had the free trade agreements through, which gave them the factories to go home and work in. So we trained them in our universities and we even paid often for their education. So everything works on behalf of the global elite who already run the world and the taxpayer funds it all. Uh, every part of the structure. Most of the, you find when we're putting out, out supposedly uh, businesses into third world countries under free trade, uh, we subsidize the, 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 the companies to go in there. And these are the same international corporations that set up shop in all of these countries under the guise of giving them employment and work and better living standards. We subsidize all of it. In fact, we're still building plants and hospitals in China with our tax money. And China's turning out more multi-billionaires a year than anybody else. Uh, but under the agreement, uh, we, that's, that's the way it is. We keep subsidizing China for hospitals, school, uh, schools and so on. And we're even putting up uh, nuclear plants for them as well. Let me ask you this because I want to cover it in this segment. And in the next hour, we're going to do a commercial free. I want to get into religion and why religion is not necessarily any, necessary anymore in this day and age. Um, but right now, I wanted to ask you... About my God, my my! I just lost my train of thought. Uh-oh. <laughs> it completely. Oh, the the possibility of war with Russia and China. Uh, there's a lot going on in Syria, a lot going on in that region. Uh, Putin has been flexing his muscles. Uh, what is your take? Is this just a puppet show where the puppets are pretending to fight with each other while the new world order is coming into power, or are these genuine conflicts? It can be multifaceted. There's other interested parties involved in those countries outside, say, the U.S., Britain, uh, and, say, Russia. Uh, there's other parties involved, and I don't mean simply the Ukrainians as well. You have to look at the history of the Ukraine. 
but uh, it's, it's all arranged uh, in advance. They still go by their various treaties that they've, they've signed on to and they hold. And uh, I've always said, if you, uh, your elite have always used a military and strength and power and the structure of, of the, the cultural system to defend themselves. You do the, the defending for them. You put your lives on the line. But it's always to defend themselves and their way of life. When your elite have already put your factories in China and your capacity for, for creating uh, heavy industry into China, they're not worried about ever having a war with China, believe you me. Because they can't produce the tanks at home anyway, and the quantities they would have to do in a real war. Uh, That's a good point. So it's the same with, with Russia too. Much has gone behind the scenes with Russia. And Putin's on board still with integration of the EU system. And he's integrating Russia gradually into that too. So it's, it's just a little territorial dispute as, as to who owns the, the rights, the big power moguls who own the rights for the trans-continental the, the trans, uh, pipelines they're putting in there for gas and oil and so on. That's what it's about. You know, private enterprise. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 those are very good points, and I happen to agree with you. I've, I've said that um, what's going on over there is kind of smoke and mirrors, and it's it's just a puppet show. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have disagreed with me, and they think the world is ending, the sky is falling, and there's going to be a nuclear disaster at some point in another or another. Um, there has been a lot of talk about nuclear attacks or nuclear quote-unquote terrorism. However, being in this as long as I have, I know that uh, this story gets repeated almost on a yearly basis, mm-hmm. particularly around October and November. There's always going to be an October surprise. There's always going to be this and that. Um, what are your thoughts on that possibility? Do you think there could be another big attack as big as 9-11 or bigger? Or do you think that was the point where they just pushed the envelope so much, they woke enough people up? To, well, they got their agenda. Um, uh, they passed their agenda, first of all. But the um, byproduct of that or the unintended um, backlash. backlash, there you go, that's the word I'm looking for, was that a bunch of people woke up to their control structure. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Anything in the works? If it was necessary, if they started, by as I say, daily they have the pulse of the public with their chats and, and their emails and so on, and they know uh, how the public are accepting things or not accepting or whatever, and the percentages, etc., who are accepting the way things are. And uh, if it was necessary, if they felt they were losing their grip and, have, and losing support uh, for it, they would cause something else to happen, make no doubt about that. If, it, if they had to do so, they would do so without hesitation. But you're right, though, they did get their whole agenda through with 9-11. The whole... Understand, too, uh, the big boys have had many meetings, global meetings, over many years, a hundred years, really, into this new structure that they would eventually bring in. And they said that they'd bring in, towards a global society, they'd have to bring in not a democratic system. They would use democracy as a front, a shield. This is from their own writings. The Club of Rome reiterated this is too. This is one of the big think tanks. They said democracy, true democracy, would never work. And therefore, they'd bring in an authoritarian system on the public. And the best way for an authoritarian system is under the guise of attack and even terrorism. Well, they chose terrorism to bring in authoritarian society. And that's what you're in today. I completely agree. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you for hour number three at truthfrequencyradio.com. We're going to do a commercial free with Alan Watt. Everybody on the Genesis Communications Network, kiss the one you love right now. You never know when the last time is going to be. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.